Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And uh, today, got a buddy of ours on the podcast, back on the podcast. We're really excited. Uh, Johnny B. Good or Jason <laughs> B. Allagood. How's it going, bro? Hey, it's going well, man. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Glad we get to hang out, you know, it's even yeah. if it's virtual, you know? Yep. Yeah, it it's always a, best to hang out in person. We always have a good time, but this is this is a second best. Well, I'm gonna have to make another trip down there because uh, I want more of that fried chicken, and uh, oh, yeah. at that place that you took me to, that was awesome. Yeah, so, time, T H uh, Y M E. That's what yeah, it's called. It's a good place. Okay, so if you're yep. in Peoria, Illinois, go to Time and get their fried chicken thighs. Yeah, the Nashville spicy thighs are amazing. And what else did we get with that? Uh, I think we maybe just got the fries, and I can't remember. What else comes with it? But I don't know. But everything was great. Was it corn? I don't know. Yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> that was a good time. But uh, yeah, man, fellowship, right? real fellowship, fellowship of the saints. You know, encouraging each other, that's listening, right. praying. That's, all that's good. That's enjoying, right. Enjoying cigars. You know, whatever, yeah. whatever you got. Yeah. Um, yeah. How are things going down there, Peoria? Yeah, it's it's going pretty well. I mean, ministry continues to uh, go well. We always, you know, every church, as you know, has its issues, but. Uh, we keep seeing more and more new folks on Sunday mornings and um, looking to perhaps hire another staff guy because I'm, I'm, I have brother elders. There's only three of us right now, but you know, with uh, 200 folks or so, that, that gets yeah. challenging. So yeah. uh, we, we've got a couple of uh, potential elder candidates in the wings and about four potential uh, deacon candidates in the wings. And um, we, uh, we, again, again, this uh, hopeful staff guy, and uh, it's going to, it's going to make my life a, a little easier, at least for, uh, you know, we'll see, but it, yeah. it's good. So, yeah. I love but, it. Yeah, things are going well, man. Yeah. I love it. If you guys uh, are unfamiliar with Jason, uh, you shouldn't be, and I don't think you will be uh, for long. Uh, Jason, you are the uh, pastor or the preaching pastor, senior pastor, lead pastor, whatever the title is. But you are mm-hmm. the, uh, the preaching pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Peoria. And how long have you been there now? It'll be 10 years in a month. Nice. Ooh, 10-year yeah. anniversary. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's October. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Do your folks do stuff for you for Pastor uh, Appreciation? They used to. They used to go uh-huh. ham, and yeah. uh, I just told them, "Don't do that." Yeah. I, don't, I same, really. Same here. So I. Same I, here. I, they would like, take up a special thing all month, and they would give yeah. us. And I just said, "I know that you appreciate me. I don't. Yeah. Like standing there, like it's just the whole thing is awkward." But, yeah. So sure. listen, if you want to say hi, uh, write me a note. Awesome. Yes. That's, I, uh, that's great. You don't need to get yeah. me a gift or anything. <laughs> so yeah. we just, we just shut We're it the down. the same way. And, yeah. uh, and some people still like, they'll put a bottle of bourbon on my desk or a cigar right. or whatever. Yeah. Or I got, yep. uh, the, one of our members, uh, bought me uh, Bigfoot socks. She knows I'm <laughs> Bigfoot. And so she's like, uh, <clears throat> she's look like, at that. You know, she got me this, uh, this toy Bigfoot that like, shoots balls out of its mouth <laughs> it's pretty cool so uh That's amazing yeah we get a little stuff like that but yeah but yeah, yeah. pastor appreciation uh, appreciation month is here and just yeah, listen man i appreciate mm. you as a friend and as a fellow pastor yeah. i mean i have yeah, you, you, know, the you pastors too, brother re- by the, the way yeah. the pastors at redeemer the elders at redeemer those are my pastors right in the, in the yeah. formal sense but i'm just grateful Amen. that uh, that i have other men that are sure 
godly and uh, kind enough to actually speak into my life and encourage me. And I count you as one of those. Hey, same here, man. And you know what, Joe? Uh, just being able to text or call you and knowing as busy as you are that you respond fairly quickly. And, um, you know, I, I love that, man. Uh, it is one of the greatest encouragements of my heart to have guys like yourself in my life. And same thing, my, my brother pastors, my brother elders are, are, are my pastors, and they do hold me accountable and they do encourage my soul. I just went with one of my uh, elders uh, to FTC last week, and it was just such a great time to be yeah. with him and be encouraged, you know, so... Yeah, I, we've uh, we've gone in the past to some conferences, and then everybody's so busy, and you know, yeah. we always maintain at least. Well, this guy's retired, so that's oh, why yeah. he's able to go. <laughs> well, that's great because I was going to say we have at least fifty percent of our elders are volunteer or lay elders, and we try mm -hmm. to maintain that at least that much. Um, but that means sure. most of them have gigs, like they have full time jobs, exactly. Typically. And, uh, and so they're limited on what they can do like long term. If we can plan it enough in advance, they're all game. But uh, but those yeah. are those are really good. Now, Jason, uh, you know, you got your doctorate. You earned your Ph.D. from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, a sponsor of the podcast this month, by the way. Thank you, Midwestern. It's great. We love yeah. you guys. Um, and uh, what was your what was your thesis? So I uh, studied systematic theology and I. I worked on this idea of what we call in theology escalated eschatology, that um, we're not headed back to the garden, we're headed to something greater. Um, in fact, I would hold that, um, along with guys like Meredith Klein and others, that in in creation, God intended something greater if Adam had not failed. I mean, yeah. that's in the confessions as yeah. well. You know, That's old. <laughs> yeah. That's old school so theology, is, right? Yeah, and so what is this idea in, in the Westminster or the Second London of, you know, life being held out to Adam? Well, he was alive, so, you know, something greater than that was to come. And so I really worked on that in two ways, through the anthropological idea of Adam and the second Adam, and Christ really being the protological um, true man, that, that, that he, he was the image that we were to be made in even before the foundations of the world, because he's the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. And then also um, that creation was also on an eschatological trajectory. Again, many people have written on this over the centuries, um, but that had Adam fulfilled his mandate to have dominion, to fill the earth, you know, uh, it, it, it would be full of God's glory, that, that it would be what God would have intended for a glorious earth, um, which we know now, uh, of course, after the fall comes through Christ and comes through the new creation, which we are already, but not yet a part of. And then that new creation, still the, the not yet we're still awaiting. So, uh, of course, then, then you get into all the questions of plan A, plan B. What's well, always plan A, right? God doesn't have a plan B, but, right. um, just that that seed is planted in our minds, uh, from the very beginning, um, and that that is the trajectory. So that's what I that's what I wrote on, um, essentially. So that's awesome. And I know that you know that's really what I wanted to pick your brain about today and, and talk about mm -hmm. a little bit is the concept of glory, uh, mm -hmm. glorification, and uh, and see where where where, where that takes us. Um, sure. But I I did want to ask you. You brought you said something in it. It made me think of uh, something Keller said, and I don't think he's the first to say it. But what do you think of this statement, or at least the idea? This is not a quote, but it's basically what is said. Um, 
it began in the garden, but it ends in a city. Mm. Like, um, cause I, 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 I've never liked that. And, but maybe mm. that's a shortcoming in my th- thinking, or maybe, maybe it is uh, a misunderstanding of what's meant by it. But, yeah. uh, you know, if all that's meant by it is, is like, you know, what started was small and what's ending is greater then I I'm, I'm for that. But, uh, but what, what do you, what do you think about that statement? Can you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, you know what? It's been a while since I've heard that statement, but it rings a, a bell with me. And I, th- I'm not sure if Keller is the one who said it, but certainly he's the one I attach it to. Yeah. I think, um, without really hearing him exegete that statement right. more, um, yeah, I think there's something to that. I think that the garden, and many, many people have said this whole temple idea of the garden, that the garden is actually a place of worship. Um, you see Levitical language used later in the Pentateuch that is tied to Adam's um, mandate. And and so I think there is this sort of prophet, priest, and king sort of idea with the first Adam. Um, so yeah, I think I understand where that's going in the sense of that maybe... Again, I can't know what Keller means exactly right. by it, but there, there's a development into something greater um, that the the garden would maybe have become the city had Adam not failed. Mm. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's interesting. The celestial city, you know, heaven coming down to earth. Right. I don't, I don't pretend to know like what God had in mind pre-fall. Um, in this, in that sense, but yeah, yeah, it's an interesting statement nonetheless. No, it is, and I, again, it's it all depends on on what's meant. And again, I I read it years ago, and sure, uh, I know we don't we don't you know exactly know, but it, it gets yep. to this issue of glory, you know, what mm-hmm. people popularly call heaven, right? When yes, the the, the eternal state, you know, mm-hmm. um, we don't so and like the default has oftentimes been either a hard, rigid, literalist interpretation of everything so that uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a very strange mm-hmm. um, But at the same time, uh, I hear this, like, well, we don't really, we don't know much. We don't know anything. We really don't know what it's going to be like. And right. so they're in, at the popular level, for sure. And in my experience of just, of, of reading, uh, you know, current, authors, there's not a lot on glory. There's mm-hmm. just, it, is there not a lot on glory because we don't have mm-hmm. a lot of information biblically or is there a lot, not a lot on glory because we're dumb? You, you answer, <laughs> you tell us what that is. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's probably is a lot on glory in the sense of God's glory. Right. Um, you think yep. about the popularity of John Piper and, mm-hmm. and his, and those kinds of things at, at the popular level. Um, I think about the, um, Biblical theological writings that have come out a lot through, uh, you know, Crossway has those short biblical theology books, and a lot of it has to do with the glory of God or the kingdom and sort of that trajectory that we're on. Um, so, um, I, I, you know, that that helps us sort of frame what we're talking about when we talk about glorification or glory or heaven. Because the glory of the, God, I get like that. I we've there's yeah, tons on sure. that. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the Reformed tradition. Yeah, yeah, and that just frames, I think, for us though, this idea of you think about First Timothy, God dwells in unapproachable light, and these kinds of things. So, how am I going to be fit for God's glory? And I think that's where those those concepts cross: is God's glory and glory itself, in the sense of our um, our walking in the presence of God. Or you know, and so, you go back to the garden and you think about this idea of 
God walking in the cool of the day, which would have been the normal experience for Adam and Eve. Um, they weren't surprised by God's presence, but they right. were hiding themselves because they knew what that meant. And so, you know, again, you get into this idea of what is God's presence even in that sense. And um, so all that to say, I don't want to get into that too much. Um, maybe we can a little bit later. But but this idea of glory is tied to God and his presence and, and his beauty and his dwelling in unapproachable light. So how do we become fit for that? Um, and then, yeah, what is that? then that presence that comes upon the renewed earth, I do believe the earth will be renewed, not destroyed and recreated. Um, that heaven coming down to earth idea, the new Jerusalem coming and dwelling on earth. I mean, and yeah, how literal is that? Or is it just simply this idea of the glory of God coming to dwell once again on earth? And right. um, yeah, so, so that idea, I, I don't think, and you and I have talked about this, the idea of glorification itself, what does it mean for humanity to be glorified? There's not been a lot written on that in recent years. Um, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've told you that before, uh, that, that, you know, Bernard Ram was the last, like, full treatment in 1963, and that's out of print and almost impossible to get a hold of, mm. um, unless you're willing to pay, you know, 200 bucks for it. I'm not. Um no, me either. <laughs> Even, and I'm researching this. And I'm not, <laughs> this is I'm your gig. Pay, and you're like, eh. yeah, I'm not willing to pay that. I can get it on um, Internet Archive. You can get it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, um, but the, the there has been a recent book by Graham Cole where he kind of introduces this topic. And in his introduction, it's like almost perfectly my research, which is that there hasn't been anything written on it. There's one gal named Haley. Jacobs Gorenson, I think is her name, on the idea of being made into the image of, of the sun, which is super important, Romans 8. Um, but even in reaching out to her, she's like, yeah, there's not enough written mm -hmm. on this topic. So, um, and and I, I would maybe, you know, ask you, Joe, it seems like even this idea is not something we even preach about a whole lot as, as pastors and preachers. So um, why do you think that is? If we could dialogue a little bit, right? That's I am curious about the why. Like that's I I, I just wrote this down. Like, but why? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why? Why isn't there enough scholarly articles, uh, treatises, whatever, um, mm -hmm. on it? Why isn't there more preaching on it? And I think that I, I do think part of it is because there there isn't a lot of explicit detail about what it's mm -hmm. like, and so then taking the material that we do have and getting to the principal level and then expanding on it feels a bit reckless. I think to a lot of pastors, mm -hmm. like I don't, yeah, wanna, we don't like point. speculative theology and you know, it's mm -hmm. like, I've heard pastors saying things like, well, you can have pets uh, like dinosaurs and you can, it's like, bro, <laughs> like, okay, just stop it. With uh, that. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's fun. It's cool. But like, don't stand in the right. pulpit and then say that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, my kids would ask, like, you know, we would talk about heaven, right? And they understood that, mm -hmm. that heaven is not, in the clouds, like in the eternal state. And, uh, and they would be like, well, what's it like? And so we would just talk about it. Right. And it's like, well, <laughs> imagine, imagine all of creation. Perfect. No death, <laughs> no loss, no sorrow, just peace and righteousness. Um, and, and I believe there's going to be work. There's going to be food. I think, gonna, I think it's all going to be there. I think sure. that's what we're made for. It's, it's going to be yeah. paradise, like legit paradise, not weird mm -hmm. paradise with a bunch of virgins and like all that nonsense of other <laughs> religions. I mean like real paradise. 
And, yeah. uh, and when you start talking to kids about that, they're like, whoa, like, that's amazing. That sounds, that sounds beautiful. And then like, but that's as far as, you know, we really go with, with them and in the pulpit, you know, it's largely probably mm-hmm. the same. Uh, if you're, if you're expository, if you're an expository preacher and you're going through books of the Bible, um, and like, we're, like I, I went through the book of revelation, it took us a year. Uh, we, we've done all, all sorts of things. We hit these and I tend to focus on the big picture of the eternal state mm-hmm. and then what mm-hmm. that means for us today. Um, mm-hmm. and so there's just not, I, th- I guess in short, I would say the fear of getting into speculative theology is a hindrance, mm-hmm. the lack of material to cover and explore, especially when you're not intended to interpret much of that material literally, um, right. like say from the book of Revelation. So I think that's probably a part of the reason, but I wonder if there's more to it than that even. I, I wonder, is, yeah. is there a theological short-circuiting that has happened to us? Mm. Because I think that if we longed for glory. We'll mm. be preaching about it a lot more. Um, yeah. We hit the glory of God, but glory that we share in the eternal state. Yeah. If we longed for it, I think we would hit it. And I think the problem is deeply, people today are yearning for it without knowing what they're yearning yeah, for. Yeah, that's so good. And yeah. so, but but because there's there's a, there's some kind of short circuit going on, like it's almost as if we're hungry, but we don't know we're hungry. We just don't feel good. And mm-hmm. it's like, so we don't know if I eat something, I'll feel better. If this is yeah. something's wrong, the world is a dark, chaotic place. We need freedom and deliverance and shalom. We don't know that the answer yeah. is glory. Yeah. No, that's super helpful. And it brings a few things to mind. I think you're exactly right. We have to be super careful to not speak where the Bible doesn't speak. I think speculation um, in the academic realm. So I, I'm actually going to be giving a paper at ETS that's extremely speculative. And I say that in the paper, like this is a very speculative idea here. Um, Others have written on it. So it's not like I'm speculating in a corner by myself, but, um, uh, but in the academic though, right? Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's in the academic realm versus getting up in the pulpit and saying, Hey, we can fly in heaven or whatever, you know? Um, But yeah, it makes me think of a few things. Um, One, I think that we, um, stop short of glorification because that's not where we are. So we preach on justification and sanctification, which is absolutely right. And we should, mm, in fact, that's good. most, most old systematic theologies sort of just uh, assume glorification in the category of sanctification, which isn't a problem. I, I mean, it is, it is the end of sanctification. Right. It is the, but, but it's not dependent upon sanctification. So Romans 8 tells us that those who have been justified will be glorified, but we also know that we're being conformed to the image of the Son. So it's not that sanctification is absent from the conversation, but our sanctification or our glorification is not dependent upon our sanctification. Um, our sanctification is an evidence of our justification, but I would also say it is uh, it should be a forward-looking hope as well in regard to our glorification. Like I. I cannot, it's like Romans 7, you know, the, the, the classic Reformed interpretation. Like, I cannot be free of this body of sin. Yeah. Who will save me from this body of sin? In other words, Paul is looking forward, I think, to glorification there. Right. That this, this body is not evil. It wants evil. So it needs to be redeemed ultimately. So my soul has been redeemed. My body still is waiting to be redeemed. 
Um, so I think that's what he's talking about there. And then what does he get into right after that? He gets yeah. into sanctification, Romans 8, right? Hey, we're not condemned, but hey, you better live according to the spirit, not according to the flesh, because this flesh still needs to be redeemed. So that's one way I think about it is we, and I'm not trying to accuse you or me of doing this, but it's just like we're on this earth. So justification, yeah. I need to know that I have been forgiven of my sins and that I've been given Christ's righteousness. And as a result of that, I'm being sanctified Though positionally I am, of course, we know that. Right. Which is another aspect, I think, as well, if you're thinking about older authors, they're thinking about sanctification as glorification positionally, um, right. not necessarily just progressively. Right. I actually prefer to speak about progressive sanctification as growth and holiness, as so not so as not to, to uh, get mixed up on what sanctification really is, but in the that, sense of already position. That's a good point. Um, I, I think like that's just... It's, it's helpful to because it's 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 a reason it's an explanation it's not an excuse yeah. it's just like no this yes. is we live now we yes. are we we yeah. have nothing apart from justification and as those who are justified we crave to become to be better mm-hmm. uh, we're we're hungry for that and therefore like the most immediate thing application is growth in faith and godliness so that right. makes sense like that's why we would tend to focus on those things and not so mm-hmm. much in the future but that's that maybe that's because we don't understand the value of a mm-hmm. future hope for present day stuff but anyways, you, that was your first no your, that's that's good man that's really helpful then I think there are two features of the eternal state that we can really, uh, you know, take hold of and find hope in, uh, which is the absence of sin um, without there ever being any, uh, you know, fall again. Um, and so, you know, we talk about Adam and Eve. Well, let me give you the second one first. So, so the absence of sin, but the, the unending presence of God as well, that, that we will be in God's presence dwelling in his beauty and in his glorious light forever without end. Um, so those two features of the eternal state, I think, are really important for us to sort of hang our hats on. Um, so we talk about the beatific vision, First John 3, you know, when we see him, we will be like him, which is transformative. Somehow our view of God, and obviously this is God's work in us, somehow our view of Christ, the, the beauty of God in the face of Jesus, as some people have said, that's transform it like god's going to use that somehow i don't really understand how to transform me into the true image of christ and there's all kinds of questions about theosis and what does it mean for us to be you know uh, united to christ in such a way that we participate in the divine life Um, i'm writing trying to write some on that as well and that's very difficult because we don't believe as the eastern orthodox do that we actually become a part of god um, but somehow we're connected to that deity. Anyway, yeah. that's that's first Peter. Uh, Wait, hang on. You you said theosis. Yeah. Explain to our listeners. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Theosis is the idea of deification that we will somehow participate in the divine life of God. Yeah. Um, and and again, there's there's Eastern Orthodox renderings of that. There's Roman Catholic renderings of that. There's Protestant, believe it or not, Protestant yeah. renderings of that. It's um, like the uh, what is it? Um, <clears throat> Uh, the life of God and the soul of man. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's, right. Uh, yeah. Partakers of the divine nature. Partakers yeah, of the right. divine nature. First Peter. Yeah. Or second Peter. Peter says it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, we know he says um, it. 
We know these, everybody right. chill out. We, we just don't know where. We even people, even authors in the Bible say, as was written somewhere. Um, <laughs> they don't even give the author. Um, but uh, anyway, so I think those two features of the total absence of sin, which we can't even conceive of, Joe. Yeah. We can't even conceive of what that is, man. That is because we're so, even as believers with this fleshly principle we still have, we're still burdened by it. And again, we think about Paul in, in Romans 7, like, I want to be, man, like it almost brings me to tears, brother. Like, I want to be rid of this, man. Yeah. And um, that that is the that is the hope of glory. That is what we we can get excited about is like, man, so, so going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, Adam was without sin, but with the potential to sin. Um, and I can't remember all the Latin for it. I have to look it up. But Posse Picari, non Posse Yeah, non Posse Picari. Yeah, exactly. All, the, all, that, all that stuff, which, again, shows up my dissertation because it makes you look smart. Uh, makes you look like R.C. Sproul. I just need a chalkboard to write it all out. Um, but then in, in heaven, it is no sin without the possibility of sinning. And that is because of Christ, because we are ultimately going to be conformed to his image, who um, was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. You know, so there is that sort of earthly hope of Christ's identification with us. But then what about our identification with him in that in the future, that that is what we're going to be? Um, man, that's just that's so hopeful. Um, so I think those two features. Yeah. And then, so you add to that, like being in the presence of God and his glory by way of Christ. So I don't know quite how to conceive of all of this. I think we will perceive the glory of God the Father as he is in his spirit, you know, that light emanating from the throne, whatever that is, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in that way. But we will see Jesus. You know, we like when I'm giving out the elements for the Lord's table, I remind our people like God, like Christ gave us something tangible, like a piece of bread to hold because we'll be able to hold him mm, in that's good. a glorified body. Um, and so as he is present, as he is present with us in the supper, we recognize that this is just bread, but we will one day be in his presence and we can reach out and touch him in his glorified body, yeah. um, which will be our glorified body because mm -hmm. when we see him, like him. So there's all kinds of facets of this that we can get excited about and, and, and worship God for. Sorry, I'm preaching. <laughs> Preach away, man. We need it. I mean, I need it. Uh, yeah. You know, this, one of the things that, that I, I hit hard at Redeemer, I, there's a, there's a, every preacher kind of has the things that they, that resonate sure. with who they are yeah. and that seem to be important to their people. Right. So you, you listen and, good or bad, whatever, right? Every preacher has them, right? Whether it's, it's Dever, mm -hmm. MacArthur, Piper, think well-known preachers. Uh, they'll all kind of say, well, this, I basically talk about this all the time. Like this is my, favorite. yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but one of the things that I, I, I tend to hit on a fair bit is the idea of becoming. And I use mm -hmm. that word because that is a, 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 an essential theme of our salvation and redemption. Uh, we are Amen. becoming what we are meant to be, what we are created yes. to be. Uh, yes. Sanctification is about becoming. Uh, redemption is about become, becoming a child of God, uh, becoming mature in the faith, uh, you know, entering into glory. And this idea of, like, everybody knows that we are not what we're supposed to be. Everybody. Uh, yeah. It's why people work out. 
it's why mm-hmm. it's why people read books, right? Like uh, whether sure. some of it's for entertainment, but you know, to to yeah. learn to grow, like we need to become more than we are. And uh, it's why mm-hmm. it's plastic surgery, like if people address it with mm-hmm. superficial means, mm-hmm. but there's, mm-hmm. there, we understand I am not what I'm supposed to be. And mm-hmm. if we understand like, okay, so glory then is mm-hmm. that final stage where we become what we're mm-hmm. meant to truly be, that then becomes attractive. But my question is, how does that future promise have any impact on today? Because mm-hmm. like, okay, it sounds good, so I'm holding on. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Paul, like Paul talks about the resurrection like it's changing mm-hmm. him today. But it yes. doesn't happen until he's, you know, going to be beheaded. Uh, and then he's going yeah. yeah. to wait through yeah. the intermediate state. So yeah, that's right. How does yeah. this promise of our ultimate becoming, who we're supposed to be, you know, before the face of God, have any practical mm-hmm. relevance to how we're living our lives today? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that hope should instill in us a desire. So recognize the distinction between hope and desire. The hope is what I'm looking forward to. The desire today, though, to be as conformed to the image of Christ as I can be in this life without yet having my body free from the sin principle that still dwells within it. But you think about Paul, as you just mentioned and he says he beats his body into submission. You know, um, we we believe, and I don't know where you fall on the monergistic versus synergistic idea of sanctification, but regardless of that, we believe. I don't that think there's a such are, thing as monergistic sanctification. Yeah. So yeah. That's so Philippians two. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So Philippians two, but regardless of monergistic or synergistic, it is by God's power through yeah. the Spirit that He does this in us. Yes. And so I think that that's why Paul sets up, like in Romans 8, this polar thing of, you know, to live according to the flesh is death, to live according to the Spirit is life. Um, and I don't believe in, like, final justification or any of that garbage, but I, I do believe that we, um, we find life, as it were, by having our eyes set on the prize, as Paul says, we're pressing toward that, toward the mark and the high calling of Jesus Christ. What is that high calling? It's not antinomianism. It's not, I can live any way I want to because I know I'm going to be glorified because I'm justified. No, it is um, that third use of the law, even as we think about God is what, so we talk about gratitude and guidance in the third use of the law. But what is it guidance toward? It is a pathway toward glory. So it does set my heart aright. I mean, if I can meditate upon what I am going to be, as you said, what I am becoming, man, that helps me in my daily walk um, because it is it is not a wishful thinking. It is a certainty that that is where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to be. I've been preaching through Psalm 119 and... Um, Yesterday, we were uh, in uh, verses 41 through 48, and um, the, the psalmist, or David, I think David wrote it, um, he, he talks about um, this idea of having the Word of God like on his lips mm-hmm. and meditating upon the Word of God, certainly. But he talks about it in the, the way of hope. He uses that word, I believe, that idea of hope there. 
Um, so he meditates upon the word of God, um, not as something that is static, but something that is living. Of course, we know the scriptures say that about its, itself, that it's living and active. Um, and so it, it is something upon which I hope, I meditate upon that hope. God's, it, it goes back to, um, I almost referenced you in, in my sermon. I should have. Um, this idea of preaching truth to ourselves. Well, truth, the, the truth that we preach to ourselves is not just the truth of justification and sanctification, but glorification as well. And so I think it does help us in our daily walk to meditate upon glory, not um, in a, how can I say this kindly, not in a left behind way, like all right. the, <laughs> you know, sort of, sort of crazy features of heaven that we really aren't sure, streets of gold and you know, an apartment attached to the Father's house, and that's fine to, to think about all those things. Um, and to, but, but really, what is the, um, to use the word glory in a different sense, what is the effulgence of those mm. things? What, is the, what do those things radiate about who God is and about my dwelling in His presence? You know, am I going to walk on streets of gold? Perhaps that will literally be the case that I trod on the precious here as that which undergirds my feet in heaven because God's glory is so much greater than gold. I mean, yeah. whatever that ends up meaning. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. And I think I think this idea of, well, you, you mentioned, you know, hope and desire, mm -hmm. right? Uh, looking forward to that which is promised and longing for it. You know, the, the things, if you really desire something, you work for it now. And I, mm. I, I don't mean that in the sense that you work for your salvation to, I mean, to earn it. Right. Sure. Yeah. Not, 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 but not you work it out. You work out your salvation like with fear and trembling. Right. right. You set yeah. your mind on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the father. Like you oh, have yeah, a right. heavenly yeah. eternal mindset, which governs us here. That's why we let the word yes. of Christ richly dwell within us. Like you, like, right. like Colossians and Psalm 119, if, right? It's all the same. Yes. Yes, yeah. So I think like That's when right. I'm looking forward, when I'm looking ahead to something, whatever it is, maybe it's a concert, maybe it's a mm -hmm. date night with my wife. Uh, I'm yes. Looking, if I'm looking forward to that, I am affected by that beforehand. Yes. Like I'm, it, it's, yeah. it's occupying it's great my thoughts. Uh, I'm yeah. preparing myself. I'm getting ready. Yes. And the Puritans talked about this, preparing yourself for heaven, right? Yeah. Um, they, you know, there was a, <laughs> so at least some of the Puritans that I've read would go so far as to say something along the lines of, this is a paraphrase, uh, you know, your walk with the Lord here is going to have an impact on your experience with the Lord in eternity. Um, mm -hmm. Now, whether or not that's totally accurate or not uh, is another conversation, but the idea being like, wow, I'm, I want to be ready and I want to be prepared mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the rest that we're going to enter into. So mm -hmm. preparation like preparation mm -hmm. is a real thing. Preparation is is a constant call of the Christian life. Um, be prepared uh, yes. for the return, for the day of the Lord, for yep. glory. So yeah. that's that's one of the connection points. Is how do I get prepared? You know, like mm -hmm. in my house, you know, we have uh, like a bunker and it's got all kind. It's got like, we've got like 30 years of food rations in these plastic tubs. Uh, we've got like 10 AK-47s and uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> But, you know, like people prepare, right? You have preppers. People sure. prepare for different sort of things. Yeah, that's but right. But I think, yeah, the, the glory is supposed mm -hmm. to move us to prepare mm -hmm. for it now. Not because, yeah. like, oh, well, if I don't prepare for it, I don't get in. That's 
it's not exactly yeah. that way. But no, right. it is a natural – if you truly believe, if you really have faith yes. that that is your hope and your desire, then it will it will necessarily have an impact here. It's, it's, it's almost yeah. about like – it's not like, oh, I got to – I have to teach you to do something right here that mm-hmm. will make you somehow long for the future. I think you mm-hmm. have to paint such a, a an accurate picture of the future. You have to give them such a, a clear and compelling vision of what glory is that they will naturally then go, okay, wow, let's go. Well, and I want to experience every piece of that that I can now. You know what I mean? Like using your concert illustration, if I'm going to see, I don't know, Metallica, what am I going to do? I'm going to listen to every Metallica album because I don't know what songs they're going to sing, you know? And it gets my heart excited to go see whatever band it may be, um, you know, uh, because I'm experiencing something now that I look forward to in the future. Um, and so I want to, I want to squeeze every drop out of what God has given me this side of glory, because I'm excited about what comes next, you know, and, 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 and then I begin, I begin to get charged up because this is what God says is best for me in this life now. And I know that that is a a, a glimpse of what's going to be, in, in glory, you know, you th- you were talking about the Colossians and Ephesians passing a passage about, you know, letting the word of Christ dwell within us ritually, you know, being uh, being uh, led by the Spirit in such a way that we can't help but express that in song to one another, uh, in um, yeah, in, in our in our worship services in our local gatherings, and, and I think about that, man. I was just yesterday in worship, um, I was just almost moved to tears as, as I was getting up on the stage, just hearing the. The people sing and think this is just a snapshot of what it's going to be like in glory, yeah. um, you know. And, and we'll be able to sing beautifully without any hindrance of my mind's drifting over here off to this or that, you know. Um, so I think that's right. There is an experiential um, aspect to that for 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 the here and now. That my my heart's longing makes me want to, as I said earlier, squeeze every drop of experience in the here and now with a hopefulness to what that is going to be in glory. That's good, man. That's helpful. And listen, I, I want us to have a, a number of conversations on this because I have I have a, I have a lot of questions uh, that relate to this that I think would be uh, beneficial for me mm. to walk through with you, and therefore I think it might be encouraging for our people as well. Um, there's not a lot out there currently, so you mentioned a couple, Graham Cole, mm-hmm. right? Uh, who sounds like yes. a jazz singer from 1965, <laughs> but. Uh, which is cool, yeah. which is very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what's Graham Cole's book called? Uh, I think it's just called The Doctrine of Glorification and Introduction from Crossway. Great. It's Crossway. one of those small, uh, they've done that like series of mm-hmm. introductory works for systematic theology. That's great. That's yeah. great. And then, um, and you're writing on stuff. I mean, you're, 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 you have a website up, um, jasonbalagood.com, where you have a lot of things that you've written and, well, not a lot of things. There needs to be more. I'm actually, because of you, I'm working on some things uh, that I need to get up there. But I am currently working on a, a, a article called What is Glorification? Yeah. Um, so hopefully I'll get that um, out here in the next couple of weeks. But my daughter is getting married, so maybe I should say in the next couple of months. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, but, uh, that's yeah. A, I don't look forward to those days. I mean, it's, I know it's wonderful. It, yeah. just, it seems like a lot of stress. And, uh, yeah, but it's, it's fun stress. It's good stuff. 
Wow. And plus, not, not everybody started coming in yet. That happens next week. So once all the family members and friends start arriving, then it'll get stressful. Not because we don't love them or want to see them, but anyway. Yeah. So well, next, It's not glory, month though. Or so, that's right. It's not glory. Uh, but I have to tell you, I was just at, you know, for the church, and um, Jared Wilson was talking a little bit about glory, and his daughter, Macy, got married on this last Friday, and he was talking about that, about the beauty of, you know, the, the marriage supper, the lamb, and all of that, and and he was talking about Macy getting married. I'm starting to cry because I'm thinking about Aubrey getting married, yeah. so later that night, I was hanging out with Jared. I'm like, dude, you had me going, man. <laughs> like, I was starting to ball. It's amazing. So, yeah. So, uh, is there any historic works that you would point to? Are there any treatises that come to mind uh, that speak of the eternal state? Yeah. I'm putting you on the spot here. You are putting me on the spot, and I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I would point people to, I mean, this isn't as historical in a sense, but I would I would go begin with reading like uh, Bavink um, or Burkhoff yeah. um, on these matters, um, William Shedd, um, you know, just kind of look up in some systematic theologies, that area of sanctification, the, the eternal state. Um, read The Fourfold State of Man by Thomas Boston. Yeah. That would be a work I would encourage people to read. Um, that was uh, pretty influential in my dissertation, but that, especially his part, and again, it's very brief because we don't have a lot of information, but the very end, of course, read the entire work from Boston, but that would be a more historic work. I think The Fourfold State of Man would be a really good place to go as well. You know, that book, uh, it's just funny because I, I got that book when I was at Moody. Uh, mm. I was building my library and I started reading it when I went to the wedding of, uh, of Ken way, Ken and Lori. Oh yeah. Right. Ken and Lori. So Love them. I, super... Ken was the drummer in my first band at Moody. No, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. He could drum. He could drum. Oh man. Amazing. Yeah. Ken, Ken was, uh, smarter than everybody else. Uh, oh, at Moody. I mean, yeah. he was, he was doing ETS stuff while a student in college. I mean, it was just crazy yeah. smart. And, uh, and by the way, OT prophet Talbot. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. but back in the day, like, you know, uh, such a good guy. And he, um, we, we, we were trying to re- wrestling around. So we were going to tackle him. I don't know what we we're going to do to him. It took five guys <laughs> to pin him to the ground. Five, five guys, big guys, good sized guys to get one regular size Ken way to the ground. He's a strong mind, strong body, strong heart. I, yeah. love, I love everything about Ken. Um, yeah. yeah, I started reading, uh, Boston, uh, uh while I was, at his uh, wedding and uh, not during the ceremony, of course, Uh, (laughs) but it's weird how it's, it's just been stuck in my mind. Like I can't think of that book or reference that book without thinking about Ken. That's so cool. Getting married. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. That's really cool. Marriages are fun. Very cool. Wedding. Well, weddings are, weddings are usually fun. Uh, Marriages are more than fun. Marriages can be a beautiful and wonderful thing. Um, All right. Now listen, people can find you on social media at Dugilla. But uh, you're sort of on a look, a social media sabbatical, right? Yeah, I'm on a I'm on a sabbatical right now. I'm at least a month, if not longer. Okay. I've I've toyed I've toyed around with the idea of until I have something published, like an actual book coming out, that I might stay off until then. But it, it has been glorious for my soul to not be distracted by social media. It's only been a week, but I'm mm. the only thing that I've done is uh, when you you know Eddie Laroe, he's a member of our church, uh, and Eddie used to be up in that area, but um, he sent me a couple of links. Uh, he sent, sent me the, the costy stuff, and I was like, what is going on with this? So I so I just clicked on a couple of links, but then I've, otherwise I've just stayed off. Yeah. So, 
but yeah, it's, um, it's not fun. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't generally enjoy it. Yeah. It. Yeah. Nope. Uh, well, listen, man, th- thanks. Thanks for coming on. It like, it, 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 oh, it means you, a lot. We're, we want to bring you back on and, and do this more, uh, because, you know, I think the things that, uh, that God is teaching you uh, is is good for us all to hear. Um, so check out uh, check out Jason on social media. Leave him a bunch of comments. He's not in there. Yeah. Just leave him a bunch of comments. If you're not following, follow him. So when he comes back on social media, he's like, "Wow, look at all these new followers!" And they'll have to yeah. thank me for that. I mean, I yeah, will get right. I will get praise. Uh, it'll be my yes, little taste of glory. Um, we'll get you some cigars or something. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Uh, I will take you up on that. But uh, Jason, thanks for coming on, man. We really do appreciate it. And we'll we'll do it again soon. Thanks a lot, Joe. All right. For all of you guys that are, um, you know, following us on social media, you know where we're at, at Doc and Devos, uh, Instagram, Twitter, the whole thing. Visit our website, DoctrineAndDevotion.com. Be sure to check out videos at YouTube. We got uh, YouTube.com slash DD podcast and uh, if you want to support the podcast if you want to contribute to what we're trying to build here and do uh, check out doctrineanddevotion.com slash all access there you can read about what we offer every week devotions five days a week and a special podcast called banter of truth just for our listeners just for our subscribers thanks for listening guys <laughs>